copies and send them out um, or put them online if you'd prefer it not to be, but you want to encourage the body here, we can delete out that portion and then put the rest up. So just let me know. If you don't let me know, we will put it online so that others in first gathering or you guys can hear of the first gathering or others around can listen and be encouraged in what God's doing. So feel free now to, to, uh, to come up or to go back and see Tom. notes here. In light of uh, what we see in the world today and, and we hear on, uh, through the media and reading books, uh, the different ideas and, and uh, things of who God is, what the Word says. So I'd like to testify. My testimony is to share with you who I think God is, who, what, what it says in the Bible. I believe the Bible is true. It is without error in its original language. It is the roadmap for life. Psalm says it is a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our path. I believe that God sent his only son <clears throat> to come to the world for the express purpose of redeeming me. And anyone that parts puts their trust in the finished work of the cross. I believe that Jesus was born of a virgin, lived a life without sin, was worth fully God and fully man. And now the time, and when the time came for him to give his life for as a ransom for the sins of the whole world, he willingly went to the cross to die in a cruel death. On the third day, he rose from the dead, walked among men for 40 days, and ascended to heaven with the words that we, he was going to that he was going to prepare a place for me, which I am looking forward to. I believe there is a place called hell that was prepared for the devil and his angels and for those that reject this, the free will of the salvation. I believe there is only one way to heaven. Jesus said, I am the way. I am the truth and I am the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. In my life, I have experienced the faithfulness of God, Christ, his love, his protection, and many of the other promises in his word. And we just read this morning in Psalm 145 that he is faithful in all things. And, he, and we know that I am his and he is mine. I have um, lived, walked with the Lord 50 plus years 
I found the faithfulness of God in my life, and I praise him this morning. Yeah. Praise the Lord. Yeah, feel free to clap and just give God praise for that. was thinking about uh, the question posed earlier about that, that day we received salvation. And um, I, I just want to give, give testimony to the fact that uh, that is only the beginning. There is so, so much more to God and, and to our walk with him. Um, kind of where I'm at right now started uh, with a question that God posed to me about five years ago. I was uh, in the nursing home recovering from one of my many surgeries, and my wife couldn't be with me because her mom died and she had other matters to attend to. And, and God simply asked me, um, who would you rather have here right now, me or, or your wife? And um, I, I thought it was an odd question, but uh, it broke my heart. I knew what the right answer was, but since it was God talking, uh, there was no sense giving the right answer. And I just simply said, you know, you know. And he said um, <coughs> that, uh, that that's going to be a problem. And, and something else he said that just um, kind of struck me, he says, the reason you feel that way is because you don't know me. And, and I thought, you know, what do you mean I don't know you? I'm, I'm a believer, I, I love you, and all these other things. And he just says, if you knew me, you wouldn't give that answer. And, and I realized, okay, there, there's something missing. And just prayed, uh, my prayer from that point forward was that, that Jesus would just be enough in my life. That, that no matter what would happen in my life, that... Um, that Jesus would be enough. Um, so that continued. God did a lot of things. Um, and, and another prayer became that I would learn how to have godly sorrow. For whatever reason, I, I just felt that that was something else I needed. Uh, I, I should have thought about that a little bit more because as he started to show me what godly sorrow looked like, I, I had to revise that prayer a little bit. Because who are we to think that we can take on something, you know, as great as godly sorrow? Um, but anyway, it was good. Um, so kind of fast forward to more current situation. Uh, uh, Tim Gosweller had approached me about going to a, a men's gathering down in North Carolina. And it was interesting how he asked me, um, uh, and uh, he as he asked me, I, I just, I knew, I already had at least 100 reasons why I, I wasn't going to go. But, you know, being kind, I, I said, you know, well, I'll, I'll think about it. I'll pray about it for sure. But I knew for sure there was no way I was going to go. And uh, um, so I did, I did pray. And um, every reason I had just got stripped away by God. Uh, I just happened to be reading uh, in 1 Corinthians 12 and 13 at the time. And um, uh, I, one of the reasons I didn't want to go is 
I knew Tim and, and Tim Ahmet and some of the other guys that were going were, were a little different. And um, uh, I, I, I have a comfortable way to worship God, and I, I didn't want that necessarily interrupted um, with. And I don't, I never felt comfortable around, not a, Tim and Tim I don't mind, but I kind of figured the other people would be a little too much. And they would get into the Holy Spirit thing, and, and I just, you know, I, I have my own feeling about that. Um, but anyway, God had his way with me that week, and I, I just, I, I went, um, but I'll tell you, I was, my defenses were totally up. Um, and I can't say that too much happened that weekend. Certainly there was nothing said that changed anything, and my worship was, you know, my arms were folded and my arms were not going up. Um, uh, but a couple things did happen. One, just before um, I went down there, God showed me something that um, uh, I needed to know. And, and, and that was, I was watching a movie that my wife had asked me to watch. And I, I've never been real fond of romance stuff. Um, and, and so, I, but I, you know, I watched it. I kind of liked some of it. But um, this one had the wrong kind of an ending. And, and uh, the, the girl's, the woman's heart was broken, and I do not like those kind of endings. I, um, in fact, I couldn't sleep that night, and that was the night before we were supposed to go down to North Carolina. Um, and in the midst of just almost rage, I, I, again, I couldn't sleep, um, God said, but my love isn't like that. Um, So anyway, um, it was uh, it was something he showed me that I've always resisted, and and that's true love. Um, I don't like true love; it hurts. Um, I like kindness and all that other stuff, but uh, true love is something I've always protected my heart from. And uh, what God showed me is, and you do the same thing with me. Um, and, and, you know, that's not good. So, anyway, um, I went down to the conference, and the only thing of significance, other than some great conversations with some brothers that just overwhelmed me, um, they prayed over me. And, you know, if you've ever watched me get out of a small car, it is an exercise of pain. I don't know as much for me as it is for you to watch me, but... Um, it, it, it's not pleasant. They knew I was hurting, and um, they, they just asked to pray, and I normally, I, again, I don't like that kind of stuff. I don't like praying for healing. I've embraced my healing. I, I, uh, it, it's what keeps me in check and from being a fool. Um, um, but they, it was out of love, and these, these men were truly sincere that they wanted to pray, and, and so I allowed them to pray. And while on the one hand, I would say, I was not healed. There, there, there was something else that was incredibly deep that happened. And one of the things I also hate to do, and I have rarely done in my life, is, is shed tears. And I don't think I've cried in the last uh, <laughs> couple of months. Um, I've probably cried more than I have, uh, certainly in my whole life. Um, but anyway, um, uh, yeah, it was, it was just, uh, 
their their prayers and their their love were, were just um, something that's changed me. And then when I got home, God continued to. And actually, it was when I got home that God everything happened. Um, I was reading a book by John Piper of, uh, again, let the nations be glad, and just about missions. And uh, um, in it, he was basically contending that all mission work starts with a proper uh, worship and understanding and love of God. And and he said something that just, uh, or he quoted something from Albert Einstein that was uh, his indictment against the church. Um, he, he was just discovering the universe. And, and it, when he looked at it, it, he was so in awe of what he was seeing um, that he was overwhelmed. And, and when he, when he um, looked at people in the church, and, and he simply says, and you say you know the creator of all of that? And he just said, no way. It, and what he was looking at was their worship. Um, you, you worship him like that, and you say you know him? And... Um, what God did with, with that is, is he showed me just a little tiny bit of, of who he is, and it has just changed everything in my life. I, I can't worship him anymore um, with my arms folded, and, um, and, I, and tears many times come down, uh, just as I am just beginning to realize not only how great of a God we serve, um, but this love thing and just... Song of Solomon, and everywhere in Scripture, he doesn't want, he wants intimate love with us. And, and it, it's something I know so little about, but it's something I'm enjoying with him, and it's affecting my relationship with others, obviously including my wife and, and the kids in their home. Um, it's just affecting everything. And if, if some of you guys, I'm sure this is all like, you know, course I know true love and all that stuff what are you talking about but for some of you I'm sure and and I think especially men it might be a little more difficult um, uh, but it is so worth it um, uh, and yeah that's my testimony I was just going to give testimony about something that happened about seven years ago that was just really orchestrated by God. It was after the Haiti earthquake. Within a few days, um, one night, I just kind of mentioned to my husband, I said, maybe we should pray about going there. And, you know, we're not stupid that we would think that we just travel into the country, but uh, we called our, the mission agency that we used to be under, and um, Charlie was talking to the guy there and said, do you happen to have a missionary that is working in Haiti that uh, maybe we could help them? And the guy says, no, we don't have anybody in Haiti. And as he mentions the word Haiti, another missionary comes by and says, oh, I know somebody in Haiti that's got a mission that they work at all the time, and they're um, organizing a team to come down. And so it was a medical mission team, and we were invited to go along. And by Saturday, this was two full days later, we were on the airplane to go to Dominican Republic and to go in. 
But two things happened during that time of planning that were really amazing. And the first one was um, Charlie went to Verizon to see, you know, phones didn't have the chips in them that they have now. And asked, you know, what do we need so that we can have phone service there? And everybody's saying, oh, you don't need anything. You can use your regular phone there, no problem. But one person said you need a chip, and it just kind of resonated, you know. And we prayed about every bit of this. And so we put that chip in, and it wasn't cheap. It was 100 bucks for the chip, you know. But we put it in, figuring that if, if God wanted it, we wanted to make sure it was there. Another thing that happened is um, Charlie had this drill, you know, just a regular household drill and bits. And he kept thinking, should I take it? Should I not? He put it inside his suitcase three different times and took it out. Finally stuck it back in and he brought it. So we fly into uh, the Dominican Republic and meet up with the medical team and get all of our supplies and everything and go on down by caravan. And um, it turns out that other than the, I mean, there were people there that from the Air Force or the Army and whatever that had stuff. But the pastor that we were with, the missionary that we were with, knew a bunch of different um, orphanages and different places where he had ministered. And because of the chip in our phone, we were the only ones other than the army, like I said, that couple of people, that were able to contact people. And we had numbers because of the people he had worked with. So he starts calling around to all these different places farther out towards the, uh, where it had happened and um, finding out needs, and nobody had been there. Now it's, it's four or five days after. So we pack up and we start going out there, and because of the chip, we find their needs. We were able to get food and um, medis medical teams in. We were able to call in medical teams to help, because these people five, even seven days later, had not had anybody come to help them. And um, we went to this one orphanage, and. Uh, we started doing a little bit of medical-type stuff, fixing up a few people. And in the meantime, they're using our phone again, calling in a medical team. And then we were going to go on, and we're sitting there, well, where do we go next, you know? And some little old guy that I don't know how he even knew we were there because we were in an enclosed area came up and says, there's a whole bunch of people down here. you got to come down here. So we're trotting by foot on these broken-up roads, and we come to a like a football field, where they'd set up um, a tent city. And by tent city, they were bed sheets, separating families is all they had, st stuck on sticks. And nobody had been there, and this for sure was five days afterwards. And on this um, property, just up a little ways, there was a, a locked area with um, a building, and we'd go up there, somebody leads us up there, and nobody had been there, so they didn't have food, they didn't have water, they didn't have any bathrooms, and um, they didn't have any medical help. And so we go up there, we go in this little room, and here are all these, like, four tents from China. Nobody knew how they got there, but they were in this locked room. Within an hour, because of the chip and the phone, we were able to get in medical uh, a medical team, set up four exam rooms, um, and set up a pharmacy and start treating these people that didn't have anything. Um, a couple of other things that happened there is um, we were also able to get a hold of the ship. The, Army, the Navy had a medical hospital ship in the harbor, 
we were able to find a helipad and get some of the worst kids' cases out of there and back to the ship so they could be fixed up. Well, we're back at the compound one night where we were staying in the school, and um, Charlie just happens to be standing by two German surgeons who are speaking English. Like, think of think uh, hundreds of people in this camp. Just think of the probability of two German surgeons speaking English standing next to my English-speaking husband, saying they needed a drill. Well, we had a drill. Charlie had the drill and the bits, and they said, yeah, just what we need. And they needed it to fix uh, severely broken bones and things like that. Um, so, you know, we hear so much about the evil in the world, and so often God gets blamed for everything bad. But we don't hear. I mean, this was our God. He, he worked his puzzle. He took people from all these different countries, and a drill from Minnesota, and a, a missionary from Carolina, South Carolina, and people from the Dominican Republic, and he put it together, and he touched people's lives. God's um, presence was so real that, I mean, I'm not putting down the suffering or giving in a reason or anything like that. I mean, it was real. It was there. But God's presence was there, too. And that's, uh, Charlie and I walked around with, I mean, we had sorrow for the people, but we had so much joy in our hearts that we just couldn't even express it. where we trust the Lord. It gets potentially awkward, but <laughs> Brother Chad steps up. Thanks, Chad. Well, mine will be short, but I just want, I'm, I just want to say I'm really, I'm really thankful to be here. But uh, I just want to encourage you this morning, uh, the power of prayer uh, for the future generations, and I'm glad that Grace is here as we share a little bit about uh, the legacy of a, a praying mother or a, a praying parent. So, uh, Basically, I, I wanted to share is that in the Bible, it makes it very clear that it's not the church's responsibility to pass on our faith to the next generation, although it is very important. It's clear that the parents and grandparents are the conduit, if you will, to instruct their children in the Lord. Many grandparents are greatly concerned that their children are not passing on the values and faith by which they were raised. Parents and grandparents have a crucial role. The focus passing on a godly legacy to the next generation. The demonstrations of our walk with the Lord and our prayers for our children are powerful ways to pass on our faith. So this morning I'm here to testify it's simple, but it has a great impact and results. My mother, uh, for some, some here today know her, but my grandmother was hardly ever a time she didn't welcome everyone with a hug. She shared and gave her all when we were together. Most importantly, she would love us and share, our, share her faith and how much God loved us. I believe to this day her prayers are being fulfilled in and through her prayers because of God's faithfulness. My mother went home to be with the Lord in 2010, and her grandchildren and children, I'm so thankful, uh, 
know the Lord. And so I encourage the parents and grandparents to never give up on their prayer for their children and for their grandchildren. Um, I'll say this, the, the three of us boys maybe were wayward for, for some time, but God is faithful in hearing my mother's prayers, and, uh, and all my, my brother's uh, grandchildren or kids are all uh, uh, see, or know the Lord, and, and they're, you know, they're growing as they grow. Uh, hopefully they all come to know him as their Savior, but I'm just thankful for that, so not to give up. And as parents, to continue to pray for your children, maybe you have. I got saved by the side pit in Faribault when I was 24. So um, to never give up praying because you never know uh, what God will do. And in, it's in his timing. And secondly, for spouses, uh, the verdict's still out, but my, my daughter's getting married in October to read, and we'll see how that all goes. But uh, no, I, I, I swear, I, swear, I, I, swear I, I prayed, and I can't believe it, but God brought Reed uh, into my life before they were even dating. And I trust to God that this may be her husband. I'm very proud of him. I'm very thankful for him. I don't worry about him leading my daughter and the next generation uh, to the Lord. So just keep on praying. Thank you. I'm going to try doing this without crying. Um, I was not going to speak, but the Holy Spirit told me to speak. We had, are still on a health journey with our child, and some of you have been praying for her, and we're so thankful for you for doing that. She's doing wonderful now and getting better. Um, it's our testimony, because we couldn't even get to church when she was at a very rough state. And we're so thankful to find Elam Mission Church and all the welcoming people that were here, especially the elders who prayed over her. The Lord just spoke to us and told us to go and have them pray over her. And we listened and obeyed, and we're so thankful we did, and we're thankful for all the elders that are here that do that and that are just available anytime. And we know that through this journey, it's brought us closer to the Lord. And um, we know that it, all the people that we have, experts that we've been to, we know that some of them didn't even help her, but they helped other people. And it's all for God's glory. So we're thankful for that. And that's why we continue to share God's word with others and, and our story of her. So... I just can, it's praise. Thank you all for your prayers. How many of you um, are familiar with Franklin Graham and the Samaritan Purse? probably all of you. Well, I've been getting a newsletter from him, and uh, he shared a story of what God is doing outside of Mosul uh, in a hospital that they have set up. And he shared in the newsletter when I got it a few weeks ago 
that um, there are ISIL soldiers who are coming to their hospital because they're injured, you know, in the fighting. And because of the love of the nurses and the doctors, these ISIL soldiers are saying they're hearing them among themselves saying, what is wrong with these people? They love us. We're the ones that's trying to kill them. And here they're loving us and helping us. And they are sharing Christ with them. And because of that, there are ISIL soldiers that are coming to know the Lord. And I have not been able to, to get that out of my mind. So I just wanted to share that in praise to our God who is powerful and he works the mighty way. Praise God. It's good to hear uh, yeah, people lifting him up and uh, the power of the testimony. Um, I want to speak this morning about the goodness of God and uh, the desires of your hearts. Um, ever since I was probably a young boy, my, you know, I, I grew up on a dairy farm. And um, growing up on a farm, I just, my heart was there. I just loved uh, the business aspect and and, you know, working with your hands and, and just uh, getting to experience uh, the Lord's creation. And um, I grew up, you know, in the church, knowing the Lord. And, and as I grew and matured, I, I came to know him as my personal Savior. And um, one of the desires of my heart was to someday carry on the family farm and uh, raise my kids there with my future wife. And uh, I just want to testify this morning that um, that is somewhat coming to fruition. I'm, I actually left the farm for 10 years. I was in construction, and uh, I got married. We just had our sixth, sixth child um, in September. And uh, for the last few years, we've actually been back on the farm and uh, pursuing that and just you know, just experiencing uh, God opening doors and showing us favor and um, just growing as a family and, and uh, getting to know other um, Christians and brothers and sisters in the Lord and um, just doing life with um, the community of saints is, it's just a real blessing and, and amazing and um, it just what's done in, in uh, Sarah and, and my life. And um, so I just want to testify the, that God does give you the desires of your heart and um, just live for him and honor him in, in your words and actions. And, uh, you know, even, even though there's, you know, rough patches and, and uh, doubts and just hard times, just keep pressing on and, and push through and, um, you know, don't isolate yourselves. Um, you know, just do life with other Christians, and, and uh, God will um, answer your prayers. So, praise God.
Well, it's been great to, to do this. And um, I don't know where I heard it, if it was at Men's Retreat or if it was on the radio somewhere, um, that uh, have you ever thought about what we'll do when we're in heaven? <clears throat> what will heaven be like? We'll have all of eternity. That's a very long time. I don't know if you, know if you can even grasp how long that's going to be, but what will we do for all of eternity while we're in heaven? And, and this, this guy that I heard said, maybe as we're sitting around the wedding table of the Lamb, we'll all tell stories of what God has done for us in our lives. And so we'll say, so Moses will say, I remember one day I was in the desert and God provided this for us, for his people. And we'll all raise our glasses and say, praise the Lord. And then maybe someone, someone else will say, I, I remember that I was in my, my room, I was in a hospital room um, praying for my sick wife and, and God healed her. Raise our glasses and say, praise the Lord. And, and just what a wonderful time around that table of saying everything that God has done for us, for all the millions and millions of people uh, that God has worked in their lives. So throughout all eternity, we'll hear stories. And so maybe what we did today was just practice for that. And so I want to encourage you uh, to tell others um, about all the great things that God does for you. Because uh, that's it's exciting and it's fun to hear what God is doing. I want to lead you in a time of prayer, uh, so if you'll just do that with me now. We give you praise for all the wonderful things you do for us. It's all about you, Lord. The testimonies that we've heard this morning, it's what you have done. It's not what we've done, it's what you've done, Lord. And so we thank you for that. We thank you for the many ways that you work in it. continue to work in and through us. Father God, for the hurting in our church, those that need healing in their bodies, I pray that you would place your healing hand upon them. And when you do heal, Lord, I pray that they would sing your praises, would shout from the rooftops of what you've done for them in their bodies. Lord, we lift them up to you and we ask that you would bring healing. Lord, if it's healing in their souls that they need, if they need to know you, I pray that they would take that step of faith and that they would throw themselves at your feet and ask you to save them. Lord, do a mighty work in and through us each and every day. We thank you for all you do. In Jesus' name, amen. We're going to have our offering come as the ushers are coming forward. During that time, there's a video about camp. Some testimonies of people that have gone to camp. So while the offering is being taken, we'll we'll uh, watch that. And um, so let me pray for the offering. Lord, take these gifts, take these ties and these offerings. Lord, it's all yours, anyways. Uh, we give it back to you. We thank you for the privilege to be of being faithful with it. Lord, we ask that you would take them, that you would bless them, and that you would do mighty things through them. In Jesus' name, Amen. because it's a family atmosphere. It makes you feel like you're at home when, even when you're not at home. You might be uneasy at first about going, but by the end, you won't want to leave. 
it's great for God because when I'm there, I learn about him in ways that I can understand. Yeah, looking back, I can definitely see how the Lord used camp experiences in my elementary and middle school years to um, just give me a greater vision for him and draw me closer to him. I think that there is such a great value and need to get away with the Lord, and I can see how he used um, those times that I was free from the distractions of everyday life and um, even outside of my family using other individuals and other um, students that were further along in their faith to um, draw me to himself. So I remember as a 13-year-old camper at Camp Shamanah, one of the several summers I went there, uh, having a camp and uh, a cabin counselor by the name of Jim and Jim was very intentional to get to know each one of us campers in the cabin there were 10 of us and that week actually Jim had some terrible news on Friday the last full day of camp uh, his good friend passed away and he heard that news while he was at camp and he gathered us all that evening all of us in our cabin and as we normally would do, we would get together and just share about the day as we're getting ready for uh, bed and pray together. And he was in tears. He had just lost a good friend. And he played a song by Michael W. Smith, uh, You Need a Savior. And that really had a huge impact on all of us in the cabin that night. Um, it wasn't just to be introduced to a Savior. It was to be walking with a Savior and knowing a Savior and being passionate followers of him. I don't know if any of you have seen um, the family movie Inside Out, but there's this concept of core memories. And for me, I think in my spiritual formation, uh, camp um, would probably be one of those core memories. Um, as I think of uh, my earlier years growing in my faith, um, and even further down the line, like in high school. I started going to camp when I was in first grade. My mom actually was my counselor. Um, and I went every year. My good friend, we would start our packing list the day after school got out, even though we weren't going until August. Some of the things that God really started to teach me through those times was um, just how amazing he is in changing lives. I remember um, the testimonies from counselors that would be shared, and it just really impacted me, um, encouraged me to uh, go deeper in my faith, uh, cabin mates and me would have, you know, conversations, start kind of debating back and forth and evaluating why, why do I believe this? 